your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday on Lacrosse Talk PM. Mayor Tim Cabot's on the phone with me, I think. Hey, Mayor. Good afternoon. All right, we got you. Okay, I was just the news right before right before uh, you came on. We came on here is, uh, and I'll just read a tweet. President Trump is back in the briefing room at the White House. He says there was a shooting. The president said someone was shot by S- Secret Service outside the White House. Um, so that's interesting. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't hear that. Yeah, so uh, we, we won't, probably won't get into that too much. But obviously today the the big news was the the Hiawatha statue starting to come down. It isn't down yet. Number three called me before the show. He gave me a little update. Uh, you know, Brad's been in and out of the Riverside Park all day. Brad Williams with Wisdom News. Uh, right. The first thing people, you know, want to want to nag on is that they th- there was no real like, hey, like maybe last week, hey, the statue's going to come down next week Monday. Is, can can you just talk about that a little bit and the idea that you needed to inform the public when the statue was going to come down so they they could go riot out there or something? Well, I, I believe they did that on Friday. They they announced that there was a press conference about the statue uh, on Monday morning at nine o'clock. I, I don't know all the of the details to that because that was really led by our parks department. Uh, they were, you know, fulfilling the vote by the parks board, which uh, the vote was unanimous to remove the statue. So I believe on Friday they had alerted all the media that there was going to be a press conference this morning. So, you know, that was, that was a few days notice. I guess it wasn't right more than that, but But, but by nine o'clock, if they, you know, start working on this thing at sunup nine o'clock is a couple hours into that. So that's the, that's kind of the only deal, but um, it was coming. So, you know, like what, what are you going to do? I guess. Yeah. Right. Um, and then do you just want to update the public on where we're at? Because obviously they didn't, they weren't able to get it done. Do you, do you know why? Well, I think it mostly for safety precaution, the, the update that we got from staff and they actually just emailed all of the council members and park board members here within the last, so probably 20 minutes was that, um, when they, once they got the I beams exposed, they didn't feel that the equipment that they had on hand was going to be sufficient. So they wanted to wait until they had that equipment ready and then also to bring in a a second crane uh, just to really stabilize everything and to keep it safe. So, uh, so I think it was really just to err on the side of caution to make sure that they had all of the equipment and that that's the right thing to do. Uh, We, you know, we've worked it out. Hopefully that the family has, a, uh, a space that they're going to be, uh, you know, uh, relocating the statue to that space. And we just want to make sure we can do everything we can to keep that, um, uh, to keep that intact. So, uh, so they'll get after it tomorrow. And, and I would expect, unless there's any other unforeseen circumstances, that it will be moved tomorrow. That'd be that'd be quite the sight when, when it comes, you, are we going to load it on the back of a F-150 or what are we going to do? Uh, I believe they've got a, a little bit more, you know, a beefier vehicle than that. I, I believe they've got a trailer uh, to deal with, with that. But, but yeah, I think that was part of just the, the challenge uh, with, with having uh, that, uh, you know, 
structure, uh, 60 plus years old, they weren't exactly sure, of course, until they, they got into it. So they got into it, realized that they maybe wanted to use some other equipment and, uh, they'll get after it again tomorrow. Any idea, any guesstimates on how, how much it weighs? I have no idea. We'll put it, we should get a scale out there right before we put it on the truck. We'll just set it on the scale quick and just see. <laughs> I think our I think our city engineer maybe estimated that at one point just based on the, you know, because uh, he's very familiar with the, the materials, the, the steel I-beams and the concrete itself. I, I think he maybe estimated it, but I don't. I don't even remember what that number was. I I know it's a lot. It's it's obviously very very heavy. So I know Hiawatha doesn't want to talk about it either because during this time of shutdowns and COVID, he hasn't been getting to the gym lately either. So he's actually put on quite a few pounds. Um, there's there we can move on from that. There's a there's a city council meeting Thursday, and I'm I'm not great at I'll be honest. I'm not great at reading city council agendas. Uh, but but I, I did see a couple of things on here. Maybe maybe you have some of these things that are you, you look at this agenda and you're like, you know what, this is this is actually pretty interesting that we're going to be doing. Um, but obviously, there's a there's a parks and rec like plan for the next four years. There's also aside from the city council meeting, there's like a 2040 downtown plan going on right now. There's a lot of future planning. Is this right. the, is this a hard time to do that? To future plan in the middle of a pandemic when we were like, what what's happening now? Hopefully, isn't going to be happening a couple of years from now. Well, and I think that's the most uh, challenging part of of these plans and processes is, you know, typically you look forward to a lot of engagement with the public and meetings and conversations and you know whether those are small groups or one on ones or you know large gatherings. Um, that's usually very important to all of these processes. So that, that's been the biggest struggle, I think, as they've had to go to more of the live stream meetings and, and virtual conversations. But, uh, you know, that at some point that will get back to uh, a more, you know, more normal circumstances. It's just right now everybody is having to adapt to this, uh, this way of, of doing business, which is more virtual. All right, Lacrosse Mayor Tim Cabot on with us. We're going to break quick. We're going to let Brad do the news, and we'll be back to get into some of this stuff after this. All right, here I'm with him. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. I got a couple of texts already, uh, some about the, the that one statue coming down. Mayor Tim Cabot's on the phone with me. Mayor, they're, they're, Brent texted in, and he said that these cranes they have nowadays are going to be able to tell us within the pound how heavy the statue is. But I don't even know if um, one crane is going to do it, right? Well, I, I, I believe the, the second crane that's coming in tomorrow is, is really there to uh, just be extra sure on the safety aspect of it. So, okay, that, so that's interesting. I guess I, that we'll maybe find out tomorrow once, once that actually is moved. Yeah, how worried are you that maybe the thing crumbles when they take it off? Are you at all worried about that? I mean, that would just be like the worst thing. Well, yeah, and I and there was a lot of and there's been a lot of precautions taken with the netting and and with everything else that they're doing to handle uh, handle the statue. So, uh, yeah, that that's a big worry because I don't think anybody has uh, wanted to see damage done to, to that statue, especially with returning it to the family. So 
they're doing everything uh, that they can and taking all those precautions to uh, to keep it from uh, damage. We we did estimate that there would be some cracks and some other things, uh, but uh, that was part of also the the dollars in the budget that was estimated that those cracks can be repaired. Uh, Andrea Texan, and we get this question a lot when when the city does stuff like this. Any idea what the department is going to pay to move it? Any idea the cost of moving this thing? It, it, they're estimating it somewhere in that range of about thirteen or fourteen thousand dollars. Okay, and um, I guess you know part of the idea of moving this thing. Obviously, the you've you you said two weeks ago. I believe it was two weeks ago. And we did this whole thing. So if anyone wants to go listen to that podcast, you can listen to the reasoning why we're moving the statue now. Uh, the family wanted it back. It's been a talk for the last two years. Uh, they're probably they're probably worried about deterioration. The city, really, the city hasn't done much upkeep on it in what maybe the last decade or even longer than that, Tim. Well, I think it's been twenty years when when the there was controversy, you know, about that time of whether the statue should be removed or not, and. Ultimately, they decided to make repairs, and I and I forget the exact dollar that they spent, but it was, I want to say, in that range of, of thirty to forty thousand dollars that they spent to do repair work and and to you know really uh, uh, try to do some preventative work on it as well. So, um, so that that was you know probably one of the more recent times when there was again quite a bit of controversy and discussion, and, and that brings us to today. And and now that you know the idea of like it, it, doing upkeep on a statue, paying paying to do that versus the family just saying, "Hey, can, we want it back. We're we're kind of worried about right. it. We want to put it up. You know, wherever they're going to put it up, I, I don't think anyone know. Well, people know, but I don't know. And and then just you know, okay, well, the city since we didn't do our due dil- diligence, maybe the last twenty years uh, on upkeep, we'll pay for moving it for you. Right, and that was the you know the the talks that started now about two two and a half years ago with the family is their concerns not only just on the physical uh, maintenance but you know they were worried about the political world and the social world and and just you know the times that we're in I think there's a recognition that that statue is outdated and so they were worried that a, a mayor or a city council would be voting to remove it without working with them and, and finding a new home for it. So we, we pledged really to, to work together to, to return it back to the family. Not that lacrosse gets all that out of hand when, with this stuff, but I mean, maybe, maybe in the back of their minds too, they're worried about someone driving a truck into it and it crashing into the, into the river. I don't know what would happen if someone drove a truck into it. I think maybe the truck would just get smashed as opposed to the statue, but uh, who knows? Yeah, I, I'm sure there was probably, and there's been a lot of, of things, you know, um, that have been talked about and thought about as a part of all of this. And and you don't, you don't have, do you, I mean, you, you can't really say where the statue's headed, right? I honestly don't know. I, I know that our, um, the, after the Parks Board vote, I know that our staff had a number of conversations with the family members, and they did find a donor to help them with this new location uh, at some point, you know, that'll be shared because I think the plan of course is to have a marker or some information down at Riverside park to let people know about the, uh, the statue and where it's been relocated to. But I don't, I don't honestly know as we sit here right now where the new location is. And on days like today, do you find out just how many people uh, will seek out your email address and send you an email? 
Well, yeah, we, we've we've received a lot of uh, of phone calls and, and uh, messages via social media and emails, and, and that's you know that's not a surprise. It's been that way, uh, uh, especially after I uh, wrote the letter requesting the park board to remove it. I mean, there was uh, a, a quite a bit of time there where um, you know we received a lot of input, and and, and today as well with um, with the actual. Uh, you know, the start of removing the statue itself. So I'm sure it'll be that way for a few days yet uh, as people are expressing their opinions. And, uh, you know, that's that's the day in the life of an elected official um, to listen and, again, to try to do what's best for the whole community. All right. Joe's calling in. Joe, go ahead. You're on the air with the mayor. Hey, as an elected official, I'm not at all surprised that the story you tell makes you come out sounding like the hero. But, uh, one of the things I wanted to point out was you said you, you, you yourself do not know how much the statue weighs. So you must be surrounding yourself with a lot of people who know how to handle a situation like this and who can get the situation taken care of, you know. And if that's the case, how can you couldn't put that kind of ambition towards fixing our roads? Why, did that, why was everything poured into this and then using my tax money for stealing the statue? Why didn't you put that kind of ambition into fixing our roads? I'll be happy to I'll be happy to answer that. So the the statue itself, I said, is thirteen or fourteen thousand dollars to to relocate that. Those are coming from Riverside Park improvement monies. So that's an account that has been built up over years and years and years of people uh, providing donations. So those are not actual tax dollars. Um, the the last uh, seven plus years, we have fixed more miles of roads than the you know, probably uh, four, eight, 12, 16 years prior to that. We're averaging about four and a half to five miles of street repairs each year. Uh, Ten years ago, we were doing about one or two miles a year, which caused us to fall behind. And, and there were reasons, I'm sure, at that time as to why um, the amount of, of street repairs were done based on staffing and resources and budget priorities. So, uh, this year, for example, we're fixing more five, more than five miles of streets. Next year, I believe it's close to six miles. So I'm not sure if you know if that gentleman is uh, driving around on on Losey Boulevard or on uh, Gillette Street or on Lang Drive or on you know these these other roadways. But we are actively working to try to get caught up on the on the backlog of street repairs. And, and just just as a maybe as a comparison, um, you know, thirteen thousand uh, dollars. I don't even know. Uh, I, I would try to equate that with the length of, of roadway. You know, just for example, the the uh, probably about four blocks of of city street is a million dollars. So although you know the thirteen thousand dollars is important, and we do look at every penny, um, that's not going to be. Uh, repairing too many miles of streets. Instead, we have spent, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember now the exact number, but I think we're proposing for next year, it's in that range of 13 to $14 million uh, on our street program. This year, I believe we spent close to 11 or $12 million. So uh, it's very expensive. The materials are a lot more uh, in cost, and we have you know fewer staff than we did back when the Hiawatha was originally installed when the city was fixing probably 10 miles of streets every year. So 
those things change, but we've made it a, a true focus and priority to do more miles of streets. And I'd be happy to stack up that, you know, that result and that record up against anyone. Across Mayor Tim Cabot joining us. How much of that road repair money has been used on stuff that maybe the state or I don't know if the if the feds are responsible or fixing fixing some roads, but where you guys go, you know what, this road's been so bad for so long and the state has it on their calendar for three years from now, but we have to fix it now. Yeah, we, we've done that, especially recently with Lacrosse Street, where we've done some just spot repairs. We've done that on Third Street, uh, again, with some spot repairs where the road is is basically it's breaking down. And uh, again, just as a reminder, those streets like Jackson and State Road and South Avenue and the Cross Street and Third Street and Fourth Street. Uh, those are all state highways that, when they, you know, reach the end of their useful life, the State uh, Department of Transportation is responsible for doing the the repaving. So we've really been trying to work, and I think it's improved greatly the last you know few years. We're, we've really been trying to work more closely with the DOT to get some of these highways moved up on their calendar and, and get, to get them done more quickly. But we have, in the last couple of years, had to take matters into our own hands. I don't know the, the dollar amounts, but it's been, you know, in the tens of thousands of dollars that we've had to spend of, of city taxpayer money to fix state highways. And, you know, for city taxpayers, that's really not fair because the, um, you know, state highways are intended for travelers from all over and, when the state funds it, it's more equitable because then state dollars are used, and that's all of us contributing versus just across taxpayers. Uh, from from fixing the roads, which is always a controversial topic, although it's not that controversial, just fix the roads, uh, to, to parking. Right. I think everybody agrees. Let's get them fixed, and we need to do more. And we have been looking at ways, you know, creatively and with more more resources and equipment to do that. Bigger controversy in your email inbox and, and maybe your answering machine. Changing the speed limit on Losey that one summer, was that two or three, two summers ago, or uh, moving the statue? <laughs> uh, let me think once. Well, I mean, that was when, when the city council uh, uh, voted to reduce the speed on Losey Boulevard. That was, that was pretty uh, controversial, and, and we still, every once in a while, will get a, a comment or a communication on that, but I think probably just because it's so current and so fresh right now is that the uh, moving the Hiawatha statue is is uh, you know we're we're hearing we're hearing it. I had a I had a great comment or a text or a call one time when we were talking about Losey, just not even that long ago in the past year, so well after the speed limit change, and I believe you fixed the roads there on on that stretch of Losey, and they said, hey, now that the roads are fixed. And those semis aren't bouncing up and down, creating uh, chaos for the foundations of the houses there, which is apparently why we changed the speed limit down to 25 so the semis driving on that road wouldn't ruin the housing foundations. Can we change the speed limit back because they're, the, the roads are smooth again? Is that out of the question? It would really be up to the, the common council. And I, you know, at least to this point, I do not hear of any council members wanting to change it back. So. I mean, you know, that that would be folks reaching out to their council members to see if there's any interest in that. But right now, I, I don't think so. All right. We're going to take another quick break. Scott's comment, the news coming up. When we come back with lacrosse mayor Tim Cabot, we could continue this park, parking conversation. Also, the 
I, Tim, I wanted to get into the the I, I don't know I don't know how you want to call it the picking on the homeless people in the park lately by by police uh, giving tickets out. So uh, just to get you thinking about that, we'll be back right here. I'm with you. Okay. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line if you want to get in here talking with Lacrosse Mayor Tim Cabot about a whole slew of things. Uh, we were already hit on the statue, so if you want statue talk, you can listen to the podcast after the show. Wisdom app, go to the just download the Wisdom app. And to listen to the show, it's real easy too. You just download the Wisdom app, hit play, and you can listen to the show wherever you're at. Um, and all the podcasts are on there as well. Uh, Tim, we were talking about parking right before uh, we left here. I just, I think that, no, we were talking, uh, I brought up homelessness and parking, but we were talking about the roads a little bit. And uh, we just kind of finished a parking study and, and, and Rob Abraham, the assistant police chief, he kind of rips on me. He has, have you read the parking study? And I'm like, I don't, I don't have time to read 300 pages. And he gave me the cliff notes version, but uh, Brad Williams has done some reporting on the $100,000 parking study that was issued maybe last March or so. And a lot of the things that come up, hey, you need to do this or that, seem very obvious. Like put little colored markers in the parking ramps, and and you know, like sure. just just I don't know what. Like, what did you think of the parking study? Did you did you kind of feel the same way, or do you or, or did you see some good things in it? Well, I think with each one of those efforts, and it's important um, because we do have uh, you know a different downtown, and uh, actually, uh, you know the. The parking supply and demand has changed since the last time we had uh, Rich and Associates update our uh, our parking. So, um, it, you know, the, the it's important to keep that information current. And the the amount of um, you know, I think there's probably not a lot of surprises in there because I, I, I've seen the comments about it. You know, again, we have very, you know a lot of parking available most of the ramps are underutilized and where we see you know uh, heavy use of course is in the two-hour spaces on the street and and looking at ways to encourage more of those employees and workers downtown to utilize the ramps and today at the board of public works we uh, adopted a a pilot program to uh, dramatically reduce the monthly uh, parking pass for uh, downtown workers so that they can utilize especially the top levels of the ramps which don't see heavy usage so th- those studies do help us to identify areas where we can make improvements and make changes and you know today was a good example i think that the board of public works has actually approved a change to the ramps based on the input that we received from uh, the the parking study so those things will continue i mean i know there's there's always controversies, and uh, years ago when we had the, the parking gates and those were getting damaged, and uh, when we installed the video monitors, those were controversial. So I, you know, those those things don't uh, they don't go without their controversy. But ultimately, the goal is to have a really well functioning uh, parking system so that we can encourage people to come downtown, and especially you know spend their money at the bars and restaurants and activities and and keep our, our downtown a, a vital and happening place. And I think our parking system has done a good job of that. And we're always looking for ways to improve, and that's what the parking study helps to identify. I'm kind of out of downtown where, where Midwest fa- family is located, but I park in the street, and, and lately there's nobody in the street because I don't think a whole lot of people are downtown anyway. Tim, I'm willing to pay 
$4 a month to park in the Rams. Is that is that the price you guys settled on, or is it going to be more than that? No, it's more than that. So, I mean, that's the other, you know, the, the challenge that we have, obviously, is it's it's not cheap to build uh, parking facilities. And, the you know, the, the, the most recent ramp that we finished a couple years ago and purchased was, I think, close to $18 million for about uh, 600 spaces. So, uh, you know, we're not charging anywhere near what the actual cost is to build and maintain those those spaces um, today we are you know what we settled on for those uh, top levels was twenty dollars a month which I think is really competitive because if you're you know if you work downtown and and um, have to spend any amount of time downtown uh, having a, a twenty dollar a month uh, parking pass is I think a, a really good deal so you know so that we do we do try to look at those things and it's all a balance but um, we would have to actually charge, you know, hundreds of dollars a month to recoup the cost, and you you can see that in you know much larger cities, but that would never fly here in Lacrosse. Yeah, I think at four dollars a month, it it would take four point five million months to uh, recoup the cost just with my my four dollars. So uh, right. at eighteen yeah, we're, million, we're, you know, with you, Rick, it will be when you go over the two hour. Uh, time limit on the street, and then you get the parking ticket. That's, well, I'm that's getting your. That's how you'll have to contribute. R- round one, I'm getting the free ticket, the zero dollar ticket, and then when I get that, Tim, I'm just going to drive my truck until I get that zero dollar. I got it all figured out, and then it'll reset okay. it a year. So, um, all right. So from from parking downtown, you talk about that to. Uh, I remember this being brought up, and maybe it was part of this this 2040 downtown parking, not parking plan. This 2040 downtown plan, like looking to the future. Uh, at, at one point, right. I believe that I can't remember who brought it up, but hey, maybe in 20 years we won't even be parking cars; we'll be in flying cars or something. Um, but like, can you just talk about like what people should be doing that are interested in in you in downtown and use downtown a lot? What they they should be doing because they can input on this plan, right? That, that's correct. So you know, right now there is a group, uh, a steering committee that has just started a process to update the plans for downtown and to really help to identify again, how do we take downtown lacrosse to the next level when it comes to, uh, you know, things to do to activities and housing and, you know, taking advantage of the waterfront and Riverside park and and all of those green spaces. So uh, there's a steering committee doing, you know, just uh, phenomenal work and working with our staff and with others uh, consultants that we've, brought in to help us with that uh, there is a downtown survey right now so if i believe if you go to the downtown main street website you can um uh, offer your input as i had said earlier it's a little bit more difficult in this you know time that we're living in to offer input at large meetings and, and those types of things but they are uh they've got a survey out right now where people can share their thoughts about what they would like to see downtown and just how do we really keep downtown growing and, and becoming even better? Uh, we've made obviously a lot of, of progress over the you know decades since the uh, since the downtown really was suffering uh, economic decline, and this planning process and effort is really intended to you know kind of identify that next frontier and to identify those next areas of focus. And for me, a big thing is still to try to you know, drive and encourage a lot of um, residential and, and living downtown and to look for ways that we can help property owners um, you know, do, you know, building rehabilitations and, and to try to keep those rents at reasonable levels because that's the other 
challenge that we have as a community is just the amount of affordable housing and trying to have, you know, housing levels, whether it's, it's ownership or, or rentals that uh, are appealing to all income ranges. All right. Lacrosse Mayor Tim Cabot on the phone with me and also now on the phone. Number three is calling in. Number three, go ahead. You're on the air. Boy, we got a meeting of the minds tonight, haven't we? <laughs> Just two. Anyway, Mr. Mayor, I was reading an article here about one of your neighborhood commissions about the uh, police department in lacrosse maybe using too much force at times. That little incident right. down at Walgreen here a couple of weeks ago. What, what's your question? Well, what I think is these people that say we're using too much force with all the uh, crime in lacrosse, I mean, lead flying all over, drugs. I think these people that are on this committee of yours should take a little ride along with a cop car some Friday and Saturday night and just see what our boys got to put up with. I'd like to have your uh, thoughts on that, okay? You bet. The neighborhood, uh, we have a neighborhood uh, commission that's made up of representatives of, of many of our neighborhood associations. One of the items on the agenda was to discuss the use of force statistics and really how that impacts people of color. And I thought, honestly, we had a really good conversation. I, you know, I got the sense uh, there were folks on both sides of the issue that really had good points and they were coming at it, uh, I think, you know, just overall the way our conversations should happen, people being respectful and, you know, people debating the, the topic rather than getting into personal attacks. Um, there, there was not a, a consensus, if you will, and that commission has weighed in on, you know, a number of other issues and, and tries to recommend policies for the city, whether it's, again, dealing with parking or dealing with land use or zoning issues or, you know, how do we improve our neighborhoods? Uh, but we, we did agree to continue the dialogue and actually blink, uh, bring the police department to the next meeting because uh, the, the police department were not represented at that neighborhood meeting. And so it was only right to, uh, we've asked the chief to come in and maybe address some of the statistics. Because I do think when um, you're, you know, it's, it's a very complex issue, the notion of use of force and how it impacts all citizens, but especially disproportionately people of color. And there's, you know, there's reasons for every single stop and for every decision by uh, the men and women on the lacrosse police department. And rather than getting into necessarily those details, to have these larger policy conversations is what the neighborhood commission would like to, you know, to talk about. And we've asked the chief to come to next month's meeting to, to talk about some of those changes. So I, I do think that um, the, the, the way that we get at these challenges that we're facing, the way that we come ultimately together is by having, you know, conversation, by sitting down at the table, by going to these meetings, having the, the you know, the hard uh, discussions and, and at times very uncomfortable discussions. But ultimately, that's the way that we're going to get through these things. So I, I, I have no doubt we have a great uh, police department here in La Crosse. We're very blessed with the level of professionalism and the training and what they do and have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. You know, I myself a couple years ago went on a ride along with our officers to see uh, just what they deal with uh, firsthand. And 
once we get past the COVID situation, because right now they're not doing ride-alongs because of that, but once we get past the COVID, I think that's a great idea is to encourage as many people to do a ride-along with the police department because you do really gain a whole different experience with uh, just the challenges and especially the, um, you know, again, the complexity of the issues that they're facing uh, with, uh, with with people in our community and, and how, you know, it really takes a comprehensive approach to try to address these, you know, many of these issues, whether it's mental health or substance abuse or a lack of affordable housing. Uh, these are not just simple solutions that the police have to fix or the mayor has to fix. This really, in, in, you know, requires all of us to come together to do that. Lacrosse Mayor Tim Cabot on with us, getting evolving into that conversation a little bit. Uh, there, there have been some stories since Thursday, I would say, that the, the police have been going into the parks, Cameron Park, for example, giving essentially people tickets for being there after hours. But we all know that these are homeless people, and where are they going to go? What are, what are they going to do? Uh, what have you heard about that? And, and what do you think? What can we do? You know, as a city, you know, I know there's a lot of places that that are trying to help, but like, how big of a problem do you see that? you know, police giving tickets to homeless people. And then obviously we have homeless people. Well, we, again, talk about a, a complex issue and a challenge. I mean, there, it defies a very simple answer or a simple solution. Uh, we have been working for years with our partners, with our nonprofits and others with the Cooley Collaborative and Homelessness to connect our homeless citizens with case managers, and with permanent housing. And we have made significant progress. Uh, you know, obviously with what's happened this year with uh, the pandemic, with the economic downturn, uh, you know, the challenges that we were already facing with the rent levels and, and a and lack of affordable housing um, makes all of that only that much more difficult. So we have been working all through the COVID pandemic in trying to partner up with our other nonprofits and our other agencies to connect people with services, to get them into housing. You know, the the quarantine aspect makes that somewhat more challenging in order to get into permanent shelter or or the emergency shelter that the Salvation Army offers or, or some of our other providers offer. I mean, that makes it that much more difficult. Um, you know, the, the challenge that we have with our city parks, our city parks are not set up with campgrounds. So they do not have the facilities to sustain people to live in them permanently. And that was the experience that we had a few years ago, uh, just north of Riverside Park, at the 10th the city that uh, we were, again, successfully able to partner up with and work together on to get a lot of those people connected into more permanent housing we've got the same challenges that we're trying to face here in Cameron Park. So a few weeks ago, the police department led the charge with a number of other agencies to connect those uh, people who are living in Cameron Park to services. And I forget the exact number. I want to say it was eight or nine people they were able to connect to services. And I know there's uh, a few more that are on waiting lists or, or ready to, uh, to hopefully move into permanent shelter. Um, the the issue that we have, of course, then becomes um, what you know what happens when people are camping in a place that's not set up as a campground. And I know that our officers use you know just an unbelievable amount of discretion before they write a ticket. 
But at some point, um, you know, city parks are part of a larger neighborhood and part part of a larger community, and we all have to do our best to follow the rules and do our best to try to get along. And I know that if if folks are breaking those rules willfully, then and tickets will get issued. So uh, I think the you know a couple things that we've done here. I'll just you know within the last few year, years, and I forget the exact dollar amount, but I know it's in the millions of dollars that the city has provided to uh, rehabilitate the old Bacalars building down on the south side, to renovate the Roosevelt School on the north side, to build a brand new Gateway Terrace on the north side, to provide affordable housing and, and units set aside for homeless uh, families and citizens. I mean, we've done that. Um, this year at the start of the uh, pandemic, we had reached an agreement with one of the uh, hotels in La Crosse to be a place, and I forget if it was 30 or 40 rooms, somewhere in that number, where everybody who was homeless and not in shelter would have a place to go. And for a variety of reasons, I think because of staffing and some other other issues, the the other partners who would be responsible for helping to staff that turned down our request to put all of the homeless into a hotel during the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's not for lack of trying. I mean, we, we have been working every day, every week, every month trying to find places of shelter and to get people connected to services, but it's not easy. Yeah. And yeah, it's such a complicated subject. And I feel like we, you know, obviously we live in Wisconsin and, and, you know, the upper part of the United States, it's going to get cold pretty soon. So it'd be nice to like try to figure this out in a, in a reasonable way. Uh, Lacrosse Mayor Tim Cabot, you, I'm going to give you a break. You, you talked, you, you talked, uh, you talked a lot there and, um, you ran, you ran yourself out of time. So. I'm going to let you go. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, thanks, All a, right. thanks a lot for joining us. And and uh, big city council meeting on Thursday, right? Like, is, do you have like That's one right. thing that people should, you know, this is the one thing? Um, our agenda this, this month is pretty straightforward. I think there there's a few projects and some borrowing that we're approving that's a part of our capital budgets and things like road repairs, but uh, nothing that, that stuck, uh, stuck out at me as far as being particularly uh, controversial uh, this this month. So hopefully we'll have a, a you know a straightforward meeting. All right. Thanks a lot, Mayor, for joining us. Okay, you bet, Rick. Lacrosse Mayor Tim Cabot. All right, we got a break. I'll see how much time I have to wrap up the show after this. Zero time. That's how much time I had to wrap up the show. That's it. Thanks for listening.